Tonight, we are talking all things the five foundations, and we are going to go into a lot more depth with the five foundations than we have done before, because I want to explain to you exactly why these are so important, the benefits that you're missing out on if we don't get these in place, and how you can make these five foundations stick. Starting off a new year, it's a great time to start off with reviewing the five foundations, because yes, whilst weight loss, for example, depends on total calories in versus calories out, Health and well-being comes always, always as our first priority and mental and physical health rely on these five foundations before any other factor. So that's why these are so important primarily. So the aim of tonight's session is to give you an in-depth knowledge this time, not just knowing what they are, but knowing why these five foundations are so important and to help you to implement and to make them stick basically. So let's get into tonight's session on the five foundations. What are we going to be talking about this evening? So we're going to introduce the five foundations. Then we're going to talk through each one in in detail. And like I said, I'm going to give you some practical tips to make it stick, to make it work for you. And then we're going to talk about um, how to use some of the habit cues and the habit tricks and and loops and stuff that we always talk about. Going to remind you of those habit loops um, and habit hacks, if you like, so that you can make them stick even better. So hopefully by tonight, there isn't going to be any excuse for us not to be able to make these five foundations stick. So first and foremost, what are they? I've tried to put them in order of like a typical day, if you like. So number one is gonna be sleep. We know that getting seven to nine hours sleep is the optimum amount of sleep for most people. Most of us struggle to get over seven hours most of the time. In fact, over the last 50 years, sleep has decreased by about an hour on average. So if you compared the UK population to what year would that be? 1970 or so, um, we sleep about an hour less than we used to. And that is sort of a pattern across all these five foundations. We don't do as many of them as we used to, which is again, you know, we can we can clearly sort of associate that with how the health of the UK is sort of looking at the moment, unfortunately. So sleep is gonna be obviously the first one that we're gonna need. Then we're gonna be talking about hydration. Primarily when we first wake up is one of the most important times to make sure we're well hydrated, which we'll be talking about in a second. Then in my mind, the next logical one would be sort of fruits and veggies. We talked about water and then it's fruits and veggies, making sure we get enough fruits and veggies in our diet. And we're going to talk about exactly why we want to do that. Then movement, not just steps, but also movement training and just pottering around, just that little, what we call neat, which we'll talk, touch on later. And then finally, making time for yourself. Even if it's just five minutes in the morning to have a coffee, making time for yourself is really, really important. So without further ado, let's jump into it. As always, if you've got any questions whatsoever, please do chuck them in. If you've got any comments, if you've got any examples, if you've got something that you do for one of these five foundations that you think personally works really, really well, please do put it in the comments because people are gonna watch these, people are gonna come back to them, people are going to see your comments and your support, so it's gonna be really, really useful if you share your good practice with us. So, sleep, why bother sleeping? Huge, huge benefits from getting a good night's sleep. We improve memory, we improve cognition, we decrease inflammation on a cellular level, which is very important for uh, being, for preventing certain diseases. We regulate our hunger hormones. We know that if we have a crappy night's sleep, our hunger hormone, ghrelin, is elevated, so we feel hungrier, and the satiation hormone, leptin, is decreased, so we feel like we need more food to be satisfied. So basically, you have a bad night's sleep, you're hungrier, you need more food, it's obviously uh, not a good place to be. Cardiovascular health. I found this one really, really interesting, that sleep is directly linked to worse, a lack of sleep is directly linked to worse cardiovascular health. Very, very interesting. Not even 
through sort of exercise and training, but literally just not getting enough sleep itself directly, not indirectly. Decreasing blood pressure if we get a good night's sleep, obviously very, very important for overall health and improved mental health goes without saying. So those are the benefits of sleep. That's exactly why we want to get a good night's sleep. And the reason I'm listing all these so clearly for you is because I want you to really understand just how important these five foundations are. There's no point in doing anything else if these five things aren't in place. So how can we make sure that we get a really good night's sleep? So we can get some good movement in, making sure that we get enough daylight in our eyes, making sure we're getting some steps in, making sure if we can, we're training as well. So we're doing some form of exercise. Additionally, decrease our screen time before bed. We know that when we see, you know, like this, I'm staring at lots of lights right now. So as soon as this is done, I've got to cut the screen time out. By staring at screens, we know that the blue light in that spectrum of light that's coming out at me is going to impact on my melatonin, which means <clears throat> if I was doing this at... 9, 10, 11 o'clock at night, I'm likely to struggle to either get off to sleep or if I do get off to sleep, okay, my quality of sleep is probably going to be impacted. Having a clear uh, wind down routine. As teachers, we can often be working in the evenings. It's really, really difficult to have a cut off point, but it's up to you to make sure that you build a firm and stick to it, a firm barrier between school and workload and your bedtime. We need to be looking after yourself. There's that quote, isn't it? I think it's the Dalai Lama. Um, sleep is the golden chain that binds our health together. If we don't have sleep, the other four foundations are going to be really, really difficult to implement. Making sure that we've got a sleep time and a wake time, not just a bedtime, a sleep time. So let's say that your bedtime was 10 o'clock. Your sleep time might not be till quarter two or even 11 o'clock. So don't focus so much about when you get into bed. Focus on having 15 to 30 minutes to wind down in bed and then actually get to sleep. Focus on sleep time, not just bedtime. Really important. So I think what a really common mistake actually with sleep. People say, well, I was in bed at nine, but actually they didn't get to bed till, they didn't get to sleep, sorry, till like, you know, half 10, quarter to 11. There is, you know, there is a opportunity when it comes to sleep to use a few supplements to support it. This for me would be like my final um, sort of action I would take if you like it would be like my final sort of thing that I would go for but lavender we know there's some really good evidence coming out at the moment about natural lavender uh, extracts and oils and sprays not lavender scented but natural essential oils obviously sleep the sleep hormone melatonin we can um, artificially supplement that in our diet that again would be I would go to your doctor or your GP to talk about melatonin supplementation, but you can get some lighter forms. Um, for example, my protein they sell melatonin as well. Just be careful if you don't want to become dependent on it. And then ZMA is a good one. So ZMA is zinc, magnesium, and I think B6. And zinc and magnesium are really closely linked. A deficiency in those two is really closely linked with poor sleep. So if you take a ZMA, again, that's sold by my, my protein. If you take a zinc magnesium supplement, really of any sorts, about an hour before bed without any dairy in your diet, so having it with a cup of tea or a yogurt probably wouldn't really work, but making sure that you haven't got any dairy because that can impact on how it's absorbed. Taking some zinc and magnesium can help you get off to sleep as well. Of course, goes without saying, alcohol doesn't help sleep. It might help you sort of pass out or it might help you sort of wind down in the short term and you might drift off to sleep, but the quality of your sleep can be massively disrupted. So it goes without saying, having three, four glasses of wine before bed is not great for sleep. You're gonna feel rough when you wake up, mostly because of a lack of decent quality sleep and caffeine. Of course, we know about the roughly the five hour, the four to six, five hour half-life. We know that if we're having, I've said to you many times, a coffee at three o'clock, a really strong coffee at three o'clock, 
at eight o'clock, half of that caffeine is still in your system. At one o'clock in the morning, a quarter of that caffeine is still in your system. So making sure we're cutting that down. And it goes without saying a cool, dark, comfy bedroom. Ideally, no TVs, no screens in the bedroom. Imagine that you are a cave person 5,000 years ago. My history is a little bit sketchy. Just bear with me. A cave person many, many moons ago. How would they have slept? That's a really good way to think about your sleep. So those are my top sleep tips. Moving on then, let's talk about water, one that lots of us actually struggle with. Hey Simon, hey Georgina, hey Bethany, hope you guys are all doing really well. So let's talk about the the, the, the water one because it's one that a lot of, lot of us struggle with. Loads of people say they don't like the taste of water. So if that's the case, we could think about, um, just to quickly jump ahead to some of the pra- uh, some of the practical things to help you here. Um, we could think about um, using like a, a Brita filter or something, using some of our um, drinks as squash, that could be good. Some herbal teas and things just to bring up that hydration status. But really, water is, you know, it's, it's fundamental for life. We all know that we need water, right? So let's talk about why we need water or what you can benefit from. I started off with talking about skin quality because I know that will capture a lot of people's attention. Um, I am already noticing, I mean, I've just turned 30 and I've had wrinkles here for goodness knows how many years. Um, and I know that uh, my partner also talks about her skin quite a lot. She also, funnily enough, doesn't drink enough water, so there you go. Um, but skin quality is something that captures people attention, uh, people's attention a lot. If you want to improve hair, skin, nails, hydration is gonna be really important, as is protein intake. Goes without saying, increased concentration, focus, hunger management. If you're really, really thirsty, this can sometimes come across as hunger. They are two different mechanisms. Thirst and hunger are two different things. They present completely differently. However, you know, sometimes having a nice glass of water can help satisfy you as well. Reducing in joint pain. Lots of the joints, or pretty much all of the joints, are sort of cushioned, aren't they, by some lovely stuff around around the ends. And a lot of that is to do with water. If you're dehydrated, that cushioning isn't going to be there. You're likely to get more aches and pains. You're likely to notice more difficulties with your joints. So if you're someone that does struggle with joint pain, you need to make sure you're really well hydrated. Of course, when you become dehydrated, which is only like a 2% decrease in body water, just 2%, you're technically dehydrated. When that happens, we know what it's like. We get the headaches, we get the foggy head, we lack concentration, our energies decrease. So all of these things can be improved by drinking more water. Such a simple thing that we can do. It's crazy that lots of us still aren't hydrating enough. Such a simple thing. Improved digestion if you're someone that struggles with, um, you know, not being regular with the toilet or you've got, you know, IBS-C, so IBS with constipation or you just generally struggle with any sort of digestive issue, making sure that you've got a well-hydrated body is really, really important. If you are perimenopausal, listen up, because hydration plays a huge, huge part in the regulation of body temperature, of course. We know that we sweat because we are too hot, and it's a way for the body to cool itself down when there's liquid on the skin. Heat is transferred, obviously, a little bit easier. That's why we sweat. That's the whole point of it. It's got nothing to do with burning calories or anything like that. It's literally just to cool us down. If we're dehydrated, the body can't do that, and the body temperature isn't going to be well regulated. So if you particularly, if you are training a lot, or if you're perimenopausal, please make sure you are staying well hydrated, really important. Stabilizing blood pressure, of course, our blood, I think our blood is something like 60% water or something like that. Um, don't quote me on that one, it's something like that. But if we're not well hydrated, you know, it's gonna affect blood pressure, make, makes perfect sense. And physical performance. We can't expect our muscles, our cardiovascular system, we can't expect our heart to work properly 
if we are not well hydrated. Our physical performance in any kind of training is gonna be impaired if we're dehydrated. Makes sense, right? So let's talk about what we can actually do. I don't think I've created a slide for this one. Um, no, let's make sure um, we know exactly what we can do to make drinking more water easier for you. So like we said, we can use things like herbal teas, um, fruits and fruit juices and squashes and cordials, sparkling water, Brita filters, or you know, there are other brands available, just to sort of make the water a little bit nicer for you, I guess. We can make sure that we've got bottles everywhere, we've got bottles in our car, next to our bed, in our classroom, spare bottle in the bag all the time. Get some reusable bottles and just surround yourself by them. You could get some children to be your water monitors to remind you to drink. You could set alarms on your phone, right? You could aim to wake up in the morning and drink half of a big bottle of water before you even leave the house and then the other half before break time, for example. If you're someone who's struggling a little bit with drinking much uh, too much and, and going, you know, going to the toilet all the time, of course it's a consideration for us in the classroom. Something that's really handy is to think about when you have breaks coming up and in the 30 minutes before a break, start to drink a little bit more water and then you know, in the other times, drink a little bit less water. If you wake up and you really rehydrate before bed and you rehydrate, you know, about an hour, bef um, sorry, you rehydrate uh, straight away out of bed when you wake up in the morning and you're rehydrating about an hour before bed. So you're hydrating around your sleep time. Obviously, when you're at home, you can drink as much water as you like. Lunchtime, half an hour before that, drink loads of water. Before and after school, you can drink, drink as much water as you like. doesn't matter if you leave a staff meeting. So it's really just the lessons that we need to work our, our way around. If you're someone who isn't in the classroom anymore, you know, you're in a car, whatever, you're moving from school to school, whatever you need to be doing, of course, you're going to have to be clever about when you drink water. But if you're just sipping every now and then, we shouldn't be needing to sort of rush to the loo too much. Okay, so just some tips on making sure that we're staying well hydrated. Let's talk about fruits and veggies. Got a few more people joining us. Hey, guys. Hey, Susan. So let's talk about fruits and veggies then really 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 key one that again we don't really get enough of when they came out with the whole five a day thingy you know the whole uh five a day sort of what, what do they call it uh sorry i can't think tonight um what do they call it like five that campaign sort of thing the five a day you know the campaign or whatever and um, they actually wanted to make it 10 a day the research showed that somewhere between eight to ten different fruits and veggies from different groups. So we might have some bananas, we might have some leafy greens like kale and spinach and stuff, might have some berries in there, might have some, you know, um, things like carrots and stuff. They found that eight to 10 was actually the ideal amount. But to go and tell the general public of the UK, right, you're having no fruit and veg at the moment, go and eat eight, most people want to be turned off the idea because it's too difficult, right? So they went for down the middle and they went for five a day. Five a day is still pretty decent. If you can try and eat these from a range of colors, you're going to benefit yourself potentially with different vitamins and minerals. It's not foolproof. It's not going to make sure that you get everything in, but it's just a good way to think about it. And also it means you have different types of fruits and veggies, right? So why bother? Why bother eating those fruits and veggies in the first place? Improved cardiovascular health, really, really important. Decreased risk of many, many different types of cancers. Decreased risk of any respiratory disease, or of many respiratory diseases, sorry. Regular digestion, because obviously we know lots of them have fiber in them, high levels of fiber, that's gonna keep us regular, right? The other thing that's really good about fiber is that it can help to stabilize blood sugar. We need a little bit of both. We need some soluble fiber and some insoluble fiber. The insoluble fiber is the stuff that's really, really great for uh, go to the toilet and the soluble fiber is the stuff that's really really good for stabilizing blood sugar 
but really good all round for keeping steady energy, obviously fills you up loads, haven't talked about hunger here, but really, really good for filling you up, keeping you satiated, um, and also in a way keeping you hydrated as well, obviously because a lot of them are mostly water. Really interesting one that I, I found quite intriguing was the, the studies that showed that it helped you offset cognitive decline. So, you know, lots of us have got parents who are in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, probably some of us, and we all know what happens around those sort of years of ages, unfortunately. If we can eat as many fruits and vegetables throughout our life, we are going to do a really, really good job of offsetting loads of different types of cognitive decline, which is really important, as well as eating lots of oily fish or getting omega 3s um, and 6s from other sources. Improve gut health, of course, because the fiber, and also we feed that gut microbiome, so all the bacteria that lives in our gut. We're going to feed that with the fruits and veggies because some of them are going to ferment and those micro, uh, microbiota are going to eat and feed off that um, those fruits and veggies. So that's going to be great for your gut health. And we know that about 90% of your serotonin is created in the gut. So it's going to have a huge impact on mental health. So fruits and veggies, that is why we should be eating them, just so we are clearly aware. Now, how can we get them in? Because there's something that a lot of us struggle with. Lots of us don't like the taste. We don't like the texture. How can we get them in? So... We want to aim for, like I said, five portions a day as, a, as our absolute baseline. I try to aim for eight portions a day, um, and, I, and I struggle with that sometimes. Go for a range of colours, including leafy greens, deep, dark, leafy greens. Loads of really great stuff in them, like folate and loads of other good minerals and vitamins as well. If you're not a fan, chop them up really, really finely. Grate them, blend them, put them in soups. Saucy dishes are really good for them. So I can easily hide three or four fruits and veggies, um, veggies probably, in things like curries, bag bowls, soups, um, you know, even things like um, lasagna, chilies, tray bakes. These kinds of things are great for just chucking a ton of veg in. Nice bit of salt and pepper, a little bit of oil, nice, you know, a bit of garlic, a bit of paprika or something. Flavour them up a little bit so they're not quite so bland because some of them are, let's be honest. And you can, you, know, you can get some really good fruits and veggies in really easily, actually. If you aim to have one with each meal, so breakfast, lunch and dinner, that's three already. And then you have an apple and then you have a banana. That's five fruits and veggies a day. It's not as difficult as we make it out to be. Break it down. One with each meal, two of snacks, you're sorted. Smoothies are another really good idea, uh, really good idea to get your fruits and veggies in. So, on to foundation number four then, movement. How can we do it? Uh, what have I done here? Uh, I've skipped, uh, are these in the wrong order? I've skipped something out here. Um, ah, I've lost a slide here. Ah, don't know what's happened there, guys. You have to bear with me. Um, I'll see if I can find it in a second, download it. But we know why movement is so important. In fact, I'm going to have to just quickly read off my other screen for a second. So we know why movement is so important. First and foremost, mental health. We know that getting out, getting some um, some time outside in nature is really, really important. Getting day daylight on our skin helps us with vitamin D, which obviously in these sort of dark days we can often have uh, deficiencies with. Um, it helps us to de-stress. It helps us to have time alone. Loads and loads and loads of different reasons why movement is great. It can help us with our weight management, of course, because we are expending more calories. Um, loads of reasons, loads and loads of reasons. Great for mental health. Our joint health, helping to offset aches and pains, obviously, because we're moving more. We're strengthening certain muscles. 
is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Really good for an opportunity to listen to some educational podcasts, listen to some music, just have time alone as well. So there are loads and loads of benefits. Great for mental health, great for physical health, cardiovascular health, of course, strength as well in terms of our muscle strength if we're going out and we're doing some, you know, some resistance training. So many different benefits to movement. It's, you know, for me, burning calories is like the least interesting thing about movement. There are so, so many other benefits. So let's talk about how we're going to squeeze it in in the day. Choose a time of day, probably before school or just after school, maybe even around a lunchtime where you can go out and get literally just a five minute walk in. If you can go out and get five minutes of movement, I can promise you, you're going to feel better for it. Particularly if you're, if you're waking, if you're going to school in the dark and you're going uh, home in the dark, you're not getting much daylight, get yourself out during the school day. Get a brain break, you know, take the kids outside, deliver a lesson outside. Not right now because it's you know peeing it down and it's miserable but when you get a nice sunny day break through the clouds go outside make the most of that time because they're going to benefit you're going to benefit as well movies you teach i've always been a bit of a handsy movie person but i know so many teachers who will literally sit down from their desk and teach from their desk all day so we're driving we're waking up we're driving into school we're sitting down from half seven probably most of the day if we're teaching sitting down really until three then we're in a meeting for an hour sat down then it's four o'clock then we sat down marking for an hour five o'clock back in the car go home sit down and eat our dinner and sit on the sofa and watch netflix you can see how some people you know will literally be standing for 60 minutes throughout the entire day we cannot be like that because that is a very sedentary lifestyle and all of the benefits we just talked about, we're not going to get them if we are sedentary. So movies you teach, stand up when you can. I bought myself a standing desk. I'll be honest, it's the first time I've stood up all day in a while and my legs are actually aching so I can tell that I've been using those muscles. Um, stand up if you can. If someone calls you, can you walk around on the phone? Do you need to be sat down for the activity that you're doing at the moment? If you ask someone who goes to the gym, can you take your podcast your, your tablet to watch Netflix on, your phone to call someone or text someone. Can you do any of that stuff walking on the treadmill or can you just be moving around the house? With your kids, if you've got kids at home, can you do a, a Zumba YouTube video? Can you do some of those step challenges if it's raining outside, if you want to get your movement up? There's loads of different ways that we can squeeze this stuff in. It's just about being quite clever with it. Focus on little and often. Don't focus on getting tons and tons of movement in all within, you know, you don't need to go out for a two hour walk. Try and get you know, even if we got, I don't know, nine minutes a day, every single day, that's over an hour a week, isn't it? So if you were to go out for a 10 minute walk, seven days a week, you're getting an extra 60 minutes of movement in, which is absolutely brilliant. We don't need to always hit those 10,000 steps. The 10,000 steps thing comes from, if you would get again, another initiative, that's what I was trying to think of. If you're thinking about um, the uh, old government, government initiative of, I think it was, it was 20 minutes of movement a day or 30 minutes of movement a day, what they did was they realized that if someone was to exercise for 30 minutes a day, plus a typical day worth of work for the average UK person, they'd clock up somewhere like eight, uh, 10,000 steps. So that's where the whole 10,000 step thing came from. It's just another way to get people to move for 30 minutes a day. Actually, really interesting study I found today when I was putting together these slides. They actually found that around the 9,000 step mark was where um, it was sort of your drop off. So up to 9,000 steps, health outcomes rose with the level of steps, right? So if you're an average person like you and I, you know, we're not athletes, we're not sort of um, very, very sedentary, we're just average, typical average people, pretty healthy in when you look at the whole spectrum of people in the UK. But they found that health 
benefits rose to about 9,000 steps. And after 9,000 steps, there wasn't any clear significant data to suggest that higher steps helped. But we got to remember that we don't just use steps just for health. We do we use it for mental health. Some of us might be using it to increase our activity so that maybe we are in a bigger calorie deficit. So of course, that's even if you go above 9,000, it's still going to help with weight loss. So you know it's not just about that 9,000 number. But I would always suggest giving yourself a range. Little and often is going to really, really help. Choose different routes as well. Try not to walk the same route. If it's dark and miserable outside, if you do have a treadmill or you do go to a gym, it might be worth walking. Um, or if you've got a bike at home, an exercise bike, or you go to the, again, you go to the gym, you've got an exercise bike. Um, they might even have one at school. In some schools, I know they've got the old odd exercise bike lying around, particularly secondary schools, if you're secondary go and have a spin for 10 minutes, you know, go and just get any movement in that you can. Listen to a podcast, listen to music, use it as time for you. So the final foundation, number five is going to be time for you. Overlap your movement with time for you as well. You can do little things like parking further away, taking a couple of trips up and down the stairs when you're doing the washing, you know, little things, little things will really, really compound over time. I can promise you, if you are just on your feet more over the course of a month, it's going to hugely impact loads of your different health outcomes. Things like blood pressure, all this kind of stuff is also helped by increasing movement, of course. And again, you can go with friends if that helps. Right, guys, we've got some comments coming, so I'm just going to whiz through those. Hey, Lydia, hope you're doing really well. I agree with movement about uh, whilst teaching. You can get a few thousand steps in by moving around the classroom. Also, the children uh, like the Daily Mile too. Yeah, absolutely. Take I'll take the children up for the Daily Mile. Yeah, absolutely. Really, really good that. Love that. 15 to 20 minutes, is it, probably? probably a few laps of most of our playgrounds and you've got the daily mile in kids have got a brain break they've got some sunshine some vitamin d they've woken up a little bit so you know get the leave the door open get some fresh air through the classroom as well it's going to be great for everyone absolutely love that final foundation then is going to be time for you why bother with time for you what's what's the point of course we know that we spend so much of our time stimulated with people around us, the children, our colleagues, parents talking, emails, notifications, our family at home, all of this stuff. We are constantly stimulated and we know, particularly screen time, we know that that's not good for us. We need time alone. The human brain isn't made, we're a tribal species, but it's not made to be constantly surrounded by noise. We're not made for that. So it's obviously going to help us to decrease our stress levels, right? Improves mental health. We know this. We know that just like with movement, you know, we can get benefits um, of um, endorphins from exercise and training. We can get serotonin from going out in nature for a walk. We know that we can get dopamine from setting a goal of going for a walk and then doing it. Just like all that with movement, with time for you, because they can overlap, we can get some other similar benefits as well. Increasing productivity, increasing creativity in the creative side of the brain, increasing the ability to problem solve. Something that lots of us don't really, we, I don't know you guys, but if I'm tired and I'm constantly with people and I'm constantly working, my creativity falls off a cliff. And simple problems that I should be able to solve really like that are so seemingly quite overwhelming. And I really struggle to think, actually, I just need to do this thing. I can't put, move the pieces of the puzzle around. So if you're someone that struggles with creativity or problem solving, time for you is really, really important. An ability to plan ahead, to think ahead, to think about the future and to think positively as well. If you're always surrounded by other people, it can drain your, your mental energy, your emotional energy, and that can get you into a bit of a negative cycle. Something that I found really interesting in one of the studies I read today was about increased empathy for others. And I don't know if it's about a diff, uh, yeah, having a gap 
you know, it being different that you're not surrounded by other people. But apparently a few studies, there was a meta study that I read, so a study of a few studies, these few studies had found that people who took time alone in isolation, not with their phone and emails and stuff, but literally just time alone, had increased empathy levels compared to others who didn't, which I found very interesting. Productivity, efficiency, goes without saying. The thing with time for you is it precedes lots of other healthy habits. Taking time for you will allow you to get your meal planner done. It will allow you to map out your week. It will allow you to have a headspace where you've got better mood and patience so that you can get time to do those other habits. You can have rational, reasonable conversations. You're not going to be always rushing about quite irritable um, and therefore struggle to get the other habits in. That's not going to happen. You're going to be able to plan your time. You'll be able to map it out, have the conversations you need. And so you'll be able to do things like getting five fruits and veggies in a little bit easier, getting a good night's sleep in a little bit easier. Of course, time for you can help you wind down before bed and that's going to help with sleep. So just like all the other aspects of health, we know that all of this is like a spider's web, right? It's all interlinked. Yes, it all comes back to the core, but actually all these different sections, these five foundations, they're all linked together as well. And I think the really, really important one as well is that improved understanding of yourself to know how you feel. To, it's similar to you know when we allow ourselves to feel hungry sometimes right we get a real we get in tune with that sense of hunger and if we never have any time alone we never sit with our own thoughts and sit with our own brain and i know lots of people that purposely don't have time alone they don't have time off screens they don't have time you know they if they're alone they have to read or if they're alone they have to you know they have to go and go shopping they can't sit and be with their own thoughts because for some people it's a bit of a scary place and some things can crop up when we're in isolation a little bit. We saw a lot of this during COVID, right? However, if you do manage to spend time alone, you are going to get a really deep understanding of yourself and what's important to you. And of course, with the journey that we're all working on, that can be really useful. Um, I've got some extra slides here at the end, so I'm going to hazard a guess um, that I have moved some slides around. Oh, no, no, I haven't. Okay, cool. So time for you. How can we make this work? How can we how can we get this to stick? Plan it in. Okay, plan for it ahead of time. When you get that weekly timetable before school, before sleep, before training, get in the time for you. Even if it's five to fifteen minutes a day, I can promise you you'll really, really benefit. Discuss it with your partner, children, siblings, parents, colleagues. Discuss it. Say to people, no, sorry, I'm not you you can't disturb me at lunchtime. You know, if you come in here at lunchtime, you're overstepping a boundary. This is my time. I've got five minutes to sit and eat my lunch and read a book or do whatever I want to do. This is my time. Please don't overstep that boundary. And it'll be awkward the first time you set boundaries like that. But over time, people will learn to respect them. They're going to treat you how you treat yourself, right? Remind yourself why taking time for you is so important and how much better you feel once you actually do start taking time for yourself. Have some activities in mind. If you're someone who does struggle to sit with their own thoughts have a few activities in mind to slowly ease you in. Create a self-care menu. We've talked about this loads, haven't we? Things that take five minutes, five to 20 minutes, 20 plus minutes, different sort of levels of activity that you can just whip it out and you can be like, okay, cool. Five minutes, I've got five minutes. Let's, let's do the breathing exercises. Let's do a doodle. Let's, um, I don't know, mind dump. Let's do a quick meditation. Let's do some coloring. Let's go and get a quick breath of fresh air or listen to one of my favorite songs can't emphasize songs enough for you guys music is really 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 powerful for all of the things that we've spoken about today your favorite music or your favorite podcasts you know have something ready to go put your devices on airplane mode time for you doesn't mean time scrolling on tiktok looking at cats playing piano that's not time for you that's time for tiktok so 
Make sure you're mapping in time for you. Set your boundaries and stick to those boundaries. So how can we make all of these habits stick? Again, we're just touching on some of these real sort of basic habit reminders here. Make the cues, so that's the signal to start the habit loop. Remember, cue, craving, response, reward. Make the cues visible and obvious. Like we said with drinking water and sort of the different ideas I gave you there around juices and teas and stuff, make it as enjoyable as you possibly can. Don't make it a chore and horrible to do. Make it quick, make it simple, make it so it doesn't take all of the time in the world. Make these things really, really small. The smaller you can make these habits, the more doable you can make these habits, the more likely it is that you're gonna stick to them. Don't go from naught to 60. Do, you know, start small, build up slowly, make it rewarding afterwards, give yourself some kind of reward. Maybe it's if I hit this habit six days out of seven, I'm going to take myself out for a nice coffee and a nice walk in the park. That can be a reward, something nice. Never miss twice. If you miss a day, try not to let it make uh, become three days because that will become seven, that will become 21 and then you've got a month gone. So try not to miss more than two days in a row. Chain link the habits, get yourself a big calendar, tick off all the days that you do do these habits and that you make them work. Again, you've got that in your app. You can literally open your app and tick them off on your homepage. Remember the be, do, have mindset. Often when we come to habit change, particularly around things like this, these real basics, we have a do, have, be. We feel like we do the habit, we perform the habit consistently over time. We get the result, whatever it is, better sleep, weight loss, better energy, whatever. And then suddenly something magical threshold gets crossed and we suddenly become this person. That's never gonna happen. Do have be is never going to happen. You need to become the person today, the person who eats five fruits and veggies, the person that has a glass of water when they wake up, a person that says, no, sorry, not right now, I'm going for a walk, and you go for a 10-minute walk. You need to become the person with those boundaries. If you become the person, you think you act like the person, you do the things that that person would just naturally do, the results are going to come as a byproduct. Don't focus on the results. Focus on being the person that does those kinds of things. I have run through one of you, um, I'm not going to go into it because it's, it's private, but one of you who are listening tonight, I ran through with you um, the activity, didn't I, this week about um, I'm the kind of person who. So this is something that you can all put in place. Grab yourself a piece of paper and write at the top, I'm the kind of person who. And then don't even think about it. In fact, if you if you start overthinking it, stop, come back to it another time. Just write down your instinctive answer. I'm the kind of person who. Is it puts others first? Is it doesn't take time for themselves? Is it sacrifices my health and happiness for other people? Or is it, I'm the kind of person who goes for a morning walk. I'm the kind of person that cares for others, but knows I need to look after me first. What instinctively comes to mind? And what kind of person do you feel like you are at the moment? Who are you being? Because remember, we need to switch it so it's the be, do, have that we want. We need to be the person that we want to become in the future. We want to bring that future you to now. So it's not future you, it's just you 2.0. So be, do, have. Make sure we've got that mindset and give that activity a go. Who uh, I'm the kind of person who, see what comes to mind. Just fill it out. Finally, build a system around it. We're going to be talking about this on Monday. We're going to talk to you through the success systems training that I've created. And that's going to be really, really good for breaking these habits down into little, small pieces. And then finally, something I shared with a few of you, a few of you this week that I heard in the podcast myself. And it is this this sort of idea of how to bring awareness to not doing the thing, not doing the habit. So I'm going to use the example of someone who goes to the gym. I am a master procrastinator. I, If I 
didn't want, you know, if I didn't make myself sorry, I would never go to the gym. I'd never do any form of exercise. I'd be eating McDonald's and Domino's all the time. I'd be drinking way too much. I would be getting no work done. Honestly, that's the, that's my natural state. I'm a very lazy person naturally. And I know that that's a bit sort of like strange for me to say, but that's the God's honest truth. I'm a very lazy person. I wouldn't be happy, but if I didn't put the effort into the discipline, in, that's that would be my natural go-to. And I think we can probably all relate to that a little bit, right? We'd feel crappy for it, but it'll be our nat- lots of us, it'll be our natural state. So I have to work really, really hard on things like getting myself to the gym, things like making sure I get fruits and veggies in, Water's become very natural to me. Walking's become very natural to me. Things like meditation, I still have to work really, really hard on. Things like turning off work and closing the laptop and spending time with my partner, I have to work really hard on. So give this a go. Next time that you're wanting to go to the gym, let's stick with that example, or you're wanting to, I don't know, not get takeaway and cook, cook at home, ask yourself the question, are you going to? And this podcast talked about study, and the study found that essentially what happens is when you're given a binary choice and they took people who were given a test on screen if you like or or a written to a tick box test and these people had a habit that they had to perform and every time that they felt like they weren't they didn't really want to do it they didn't want to go to the gym or whatever they had to tick the box no so the question was for example are you going to the gym and they had to go and tick the box no i'm not going to the gym but what this forces you to do is to confront the fact that you are actively making a choice not to do the thing that you know is in your best interest. So for example, you know, is it, if it's, um, are you gonna avoid the takeaway tonight or are you gonna cook a healthy meal for yourself? If you had to tick a box before you went and did that thing and you had to go and tick no, you'd have to come face to face with the fact that you are actively choosing the opposite of what you want in the long term. And just that little system of asking yourself, are you going to go and do this? actually saw loads and loads and loads of people go and do the thing that they had to do but they didn't really want to do so the people that had to say no i'm not going to the gym actually went "Mm, crap yeah i have to go don't i and they clicked the yes box and then off they went to the gym because they were faced with that that sort of um yeah they were confronted with with the truth basically and if you think about it sticking with the example of of the gym or like a, a zumba class or a yoga class or something if you choose not to go you don't really have to tell anyone. You don't really have to talk to yourself about it. You just decide not to go. And in that moment, you are already not going. So actually, choosing not to do the thing that's in your best interest is actually keeping things the same. And it, that's why it's so much easier, because it requires no effort whatsoever. It's when you're making the choice of, actually, yeah, I do need to go, you're changing the path, right? You're choosing to go and do something different. That's why it takes effort because you're diverting from what's already going on. You're changing from the norm. That's why we find it so difficult. So if you're ever stuck in that moment where you're not sure about any of these five foundations, any of these habits, you you know deep down that you need to go and do them. However, you don't really want to, and you're having to really draw on willpower and discipline, which we'll talk about another time. Ask yourself the question, are you going to X, Y, Z? Are you going to the gym today? Because if you're not, you have to say, no justification, you're not allowed to say, no, but, but but it's raining, or no, but, but I'll go tomorrow. You're not allowed to do that. It's got to be binary. Yes, no, black, white, okay? So next time you're faced with that, ask yourself the question. So, Corinne, are you going to eat five fruits and veggies tomorrow? Simon, are you going to get a walk in tomorrow morning? Lydia, are you going to journal tonight? 
Ask yourself that question in your mind, even better, ask yourself out loud, because if you're going to say no, you've then got to face the fact that you're, you're the person standing in your own way. Anyway, team, hope that was really useful. Hope that you've got some uh, little golden nuggets from that in terms of the five foundations. We went a lot more in depth there about what the five foundations are. We talked about how to fit them in and we talked about some of those habit reminders to help you get those stuck as well, which is really important. What questions do you have from tonight's training? Do we have any questions from tonight's training? If you're listening back on the podcast, thank you very much for joining us and I will catch you on Monday for the Open Office recording.